Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys good still? I'm ready to go. Forgotten Virtues, final week. We don't normally do a series that lasts six weeks, but I, I, I used to not be able to. I used to be able to, like, I'd get through four and be bored, but lately I can, I can get six weeks out of a series and, like, stay, like, you know, not check out and get spiritual ADD. So, um, so basically this series was really something we stumbled into and it has been incredible. And, and I didn't know at the time, we kind of changed gears on what our plans were, but when we got into this, man, it was like God just kind of breathed on it. And so if you've missed some of the messages, please go back and watch. We've been looking at what we believe are some of the incredible, what we believe are biblical or Christian virtues that, that used to be kind of like held in high esteem. We used to care about these things even as a culture and a society. Or even if you didn't even believe in God, you still believed that these virtues were important virtues. And it seems like as a society, we have unraveled and we have taken a huge step back and we have lost some of these, these virtues. Virtues like honor and integrity and purity and patience. And, and last week, if you weren't here, uh, Delano talked about the, the virtue of temperance or self-discipline. How many of you remember the, the marshmallow? Did you eat? Does anybody eat marshmallows this week? Nope, because you're like, no, I can't eat a marshmallow, or I'll turn, my life turns out bad. That's what I learned last week, is if I eat marshmallows, my life stinks. And so anyway, I'm just kidding, that's not what it was about, but if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. And so anyway, this is our final week, and today, I just want to tell you, I believe it, it very well is and could be the most important virtue, period. It, this is it. So if you, if you just stumbled in here on week six, and you're like, I have no idea, you, you stumbled in on the best one. It's what I believe is the most important virtues. Now, if you wonder where we got these from, we, again, these are Christian virtues or biblical virtues, but how many of you have ever heard of the seven deadly sins? Or you just watched that freaky Brad Pitt movie? And you didn't know who the bad guy was at the end, and you're like, that's Kevin Spacey. And so anyway, um, it, really crazy movie, Morgan Freeman. It, it, but remember the seven deadly sins? And I remember like looking that up as a kid. And you know what I realized? There are not seven deadly sins. They're, they're all deadly. Um, yeah, you know, but, but you know, basically uh, some of our church forefathers, maybe in, 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 you know, kind of 200 years after the time of Christ, they'd come up with this list of the seven deadly sins. And to counteract that, they said, well, what, what is it that you need in life? And they, they came up with the seven Christian virtues. And then there's like virtues from Greek philosophy. And then there was even like in Catholicism, in Roman Catholicism, there's the four cardinal virtues. How many grew up Catholic real quick? Raise your hand. You're here today, so I don't know what you're doing here, but you're, you're here with us. Thank God. Uh, but but in, in Roman Catholicism, is, is, is that weird? Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're all here though. So the four cardinal virtues are this. And so if you, if you, if you didn't grow up Catholic and you didn't do catechism or whatever thing, I don't remember what they do. I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up Baptist. We had social ice cream socials in the basement. That's what we did. The four cardinal virtues: the prudence or wisdom, justice, temperance, and courage. These are the four cardinal virtues. And the reason why they're called the cardinal virtues is literally the cardinal. The word cardinal in Latin, and there it was it meant pivotal. Like these are the key pivotal ones that all the other ones end up hanging on. And now this is my opinion. I think courage is the most important one because I believe that without courage, you cannot sustain any of the other virtues. 
You won't be able to. Meaning you're, 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 we talked about integrity one week. Integrity being your oneness of character. Meaning what I believe and, and, and what I live out in my life, they are the same. And no matter what the circumstances is in life that I face, I will do what is right as God has defined right just simply because that's who God is in me. Period. End of discussion. Well, here's the problem. You could set out after that sermon and say, I'm going to be a person of integrity. But at some point in your future, you're going to be faced with that new set of circumstances and there will be a fear created in you. It will be a fear of loss. Like, but if I do this, I'll lose out on the deal. Or, if I, or it'll be a fear of rejection or a fear of getting caught or a fear of what. There, there will be all these fears that hit your integrity. And if your integrity is not coupled with what? Courage. The ability to look that fear in the face and respond to it the way God would have you respond. We could do the same thing with purity. That we could, we could talk about purity all day long and say, you know what, that's it. From this point forward, I'm going to live a, a sexually pure life. But then again, you're going to go out there. You're going to be faced with a circumstance. And all of a sudden, the fear of, well, what if I'm going to end up alone? Or the fear of, of what if they don't like me? Or the fear of, 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 you know, all these different things set in. And without courage, without, put it this way. I believe courage is the hinge that the door swings on. And without it, you don't got a door. Your purity, your integrity, all these things don't last in the face of fear. And so that's why it's so important that you and I get, a, get our head wrapped around, get our heart wrapped around this big virtue called courage. And we figure out what it is and we figure out how do we get it. And God, how can you put that in my heart? So given the face of fear, I'm going to be okay. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He, he always says things more brilliant than I do. He says, courage is not simply one of the virtues. He says, but it's the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means at the, at the point of its highest reality. See, doesn't he say things cool? I just say things, but he says things cool. This is why you and I need courage in our life. And here's, here's the deal. We're all inspired by courage. Like, like, this is why there's Facebook videos of the guy. Did you see this one? Of the guy in Louisiana where the, the car is going under the water and there's a woman and, a, and he's like, man, I'm just getting, and he dives in and he's grabbing and he's put and he's just, yeah, and we're all standing apart. Like, that's awesome. That's what a courageous moment. We, we applaud people who do courageous acts. The Bible's full of them. Why do you think we're, we're, we're drawn to some of the great stories of the Bible. Why, why do you think they even made it in the Bible? Because he, here's what you need to know about the Bible. The, the Hebrew language doesn't have a word for hero. They don't have it. Like we have hero. They don't have it. They don't believe any of the people in the Bible are heroes because they believe well, we're all flawed. There's no such thing as, as, a, as a hero per se. But the people, the men and women of the Bible that have these incredible grand stories, they're not heroes. What they are is common Normal, everyday, flawed, jacked up, broken people, just like you. That was my Joel Osteen moment. Y'all didn't miss that. But they're, they're broken people just like you. But they had one moment of sheer courage or stupidity, either one. And for that one moment, they stepped into something and now... They're, they're, they're legends in the sense. They're written down in the greatest book ever recorded. I mean, this, that's where they land. So like when you think about like Abraham, why, why is Abraham even in there? It's because at one point God spoke to him and he decided, okay, I'm just going to listen. And God said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your country. And I just want you to start walking. And I'll tell you when I get there. There's a lot of fear there. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of, I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going. I, but, you, but you just go. When you think about all the different people that follow him, like Moses, why is Moses in the Bible? Because at one moment, 
He's told by God, you go tell Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, who could kill you at the the snap of his finger. You go tell him, you let my people go. Times are changing. And he's got to stand there and do it. When you look at his, his, his successor, Joshua, Joshua has to lead a bunch of former slaves and desert wanderers into the land of promise where there's fortified cities and giants. That takes guts. And again, we could go all through the Bible. You could Peter. Like, why is Peter in there? Peter's, like, Peter's probably one of the most flawed disciples. He's always doing something weird or dumb or sticking his foot in his mouth. But like we remember him because of all the dudes, when Jesus is walking on water, Peter gets this brilliant idea, maybe I can walk on water too. And that's why we applaud him. Because here, every physics lesson he had ever had, every, every lesson on gravity he had ever had was about to be challenged. You got to think, he grew up on the water. He knew that you could not walk on water, but he thought, what if, just what if? Because they'll write this down forever. The same thing, the Apostle Paul, he goes into these cities and he knows that at any moment, either riot or revival could break out and I don't know which one, but I'm going to go for it. What the heck? What do I got to lose? And and again, all these people have these incredible stories, not of perfection. God doesn't need your perfection. The book of Psalms says that God pities you because you're made of dust. God don't need your perfection. He needs one moment of courage. For you to step into everything that God has destined for your life. And you don't even know what that is. So you've got to go out in this blind faith and trust and just hope that God will catch you if you fall. And so that's, now let me, let me tell you one of the greatest stories. And in, you probably haven't read this unless you're like a read the Bible through a year person. In 2 Samuel chapter 20, there's a story and it lists what's called David's mighty men. Has anybody ever heard this before? David's mighty men. Basically, David was a... a, a prophesied to be the future king but he had this band of men that he had with him and he collected these incredible soldiers and then he became king and he took all of his you know weird crazy soldiers and started appointing them into higher places in his military and there's a list of his mighty men this is as a matter of fact this is what it says verse 8 these are the names of david's mighty men now it goes on for the next several verses and just starts listening listing out dudes that you think are basically leonidas and maximus aurelius and every crazy thug from every movie that you've ever seen I mean, just incredible like these dudes but there's there's one dude i want to read about i don't want to read about all of them it'll take too long but there's one dude everybody say benaya come on say it like you just had a red bull everybody say benaya benaya so this is this is the story benaya benaya verse 20 the son of jehoiada a valiant fighter, a courageous fighter from that place, he performed great exploits. Like this one time, he struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. And this one time, he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And this one time, he struck down a huge Egyptian, although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, and Benaiah, he just had a club. That's kind of unfair. Well, he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in great, greater honor than any of the 30, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Now, like, again, there's a bunch of dudes listed like this, but I just like this guy because there's a, there's a part there in that very first verse that I read that we were just kind of like, okay, that's crazy. Okay, that's nuts. Okay, that. But there's this point where it says this, and you're almost like, whoa, 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 go back and read that again. It says that he chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day. The writer felt it necessary to go ahead and add the fact, I just want you to know it was cold out and it was snowy because here's, I don't know if you ever like, you guys watch Animal Channel? You guys like, I enjoy it when the lions eat the zebras 
like, I don't enjoy it when, like, the zebra gets away. I enjoy it when, like, he gets caught. Or when the water buffalo turn on the lion and they have a big fight. Like, that's the ones I enjoy. But if you ever watched, like, a lion, like, these, you know, they're apex predators. They, 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 like, nothing's hunting them. They're incre- like, like, speeds of up to 35 miles an hour. I mean, just, like, fast, ferocious, awesome, incredible creatures. Now, you know this too, that when we have fear in life, that something changes in our body chemistry. This is why if you've ever felt fear, you feel literally the blood shift into your legs or into your hands. And this is what they call the fight or flight, right? Because why does all the blood rush to your legs? So you can run faster. <laughs> and so, so normally, most people, normal people, when they see a lion fight or flight, or actually there's a third one too, you got to be aware of this one, there's fight, flight, or freeze, you don't want to do that one. Unless it's the bear where you're supposed to be still. I, I don't know what it is. Sometimes you're supposed to be still. Sometimes we're supposed to make a bunch of noise. And then sometimes you're just supposed to outrun your friend. You figure out. <laughs> read up. You know, study. If you're in the woods, figure out what you're supposed to do. So fight, flight, or freeze. But none of them are chase. You know what I mean? Like none of them are like, I think I can get that lion. I mean like, you're like, you're like, and, and this is why David hires him. As his bodyguard, because that's who you would want as your bodyguard. Because if you're willing to like chase down a lion, and then not just like chase, because like I'd fight a lion if I had like a bazooka and a gun and a and spears and I, I mean, if I had to, I'd fight a lion like that. But but this guy, it just says that he he goes after the lion, and then the lion's in the pit. Now you or I would be like, all right, he's in the pit. He's not going to hurt anybody. Now we're going to just walk away. Benaiah's like. I could get down in there. Let's get down in there. What would cause a human being? And then it's snowy. You're like, dude, it's cold. Just go home. Build a fire. What in your mind? But I'm telling you what. This is where we find people doing incredible and courageous acts. And, and, and here's, here's what I know is that, well, I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm betting on you're never going to come face to face with a lion outside of a zoo. And a big wall. You don't have to worry about that. But here's what I know about you though. Is that you will face lions in your life. Like the Bible even uses the lion as a metaphor for Satan. He goes, the, the, Peter says this. He goes, our enemy Satan is, is like a roaring lion prowling and seeking whom he may. You, I just know you'll have lions in your life. I, I just know that you'll have things in your life that ought to create fear and you'll be faced with, what do I do with those? And what do I want to be? And what, do I, what does my story want to be? And what's my legacy going to be? Will I be the guy that, that backs down and runs and buckles and just totally collapses or freezes? Or am I the guy that maybe, just maybe, I stare fear in the face for whatever reason. And I decide, you know what? Maybe I need to chase the lion. Maybe I need to stare it down. Maybe I need to even fight it. Let me, let me give you a, a, a thought. When, when you're born, you're born with two fears uh, that everybody's born with. Do you know what they are? They're the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Like every baby has those two fears because nobody wants to fall. And then loud noises just freak you out when you're a baby. Never wake a sleeping baby. Men, write that down. Or new moms. Like, I just want to wake her up so I can hold her. No, leave that baby alone. The fear of falling or the fear of loud noises, which means this. Now, now here's, the, here's the deal. You've, you've probably heard this before. There are over 2,000 classified fears and phobias that we have in the human species. 
We're walking around creating new things to be afraid of, thinking about things to like. We we have all, which, which literally means this. Every fear that you have in your life, other than the fear of falling, which is fair, or the fear of loud noises, is a learned fear. You adopted that from somewhere. This is why the Bible says that God didn't give you the spirit of intimidation, but of power and of love and of of a sound mind. And so this is what you got to realize is that faith really then is the process of unlearning all of your irrational fears. Because you weren't born with them. But you got these fears, and I'm telling you, everything that you try to accomplish in life that is great or worthwhile will come with a fear. Rational or irrational. And that is the point, the pivotal point. That you're going to have to decide, what do I do in the midst of my fear? What do I, am I going to do the courageous thing? Am I going to go for it? Or will I freeze? Or will I fly? What, what, what is my response going to be? A couple of thoughts on fear. Number one is this, is that courage, when we talk about courage, I'm not talking about the absence of fear. Does that make sense? Like courage is not people who are like, I'm not afraid of anything. No, those people are just dumb. Those are the people that pick up snakes and just like, hey, look at this. You know, no. Does that make sense? These are the people that jump off of buildings and, and do the, the squirrel glider, okay, that's, I'm not talking about them. Them are not normal people, and that's not the most of us. Those people just don't think. And so, I, and I love them. God made them for a reason. I'm just, that's not who I'm talking about today. But courage is not the absence of fear, but actually without fear, there would be no need for courage. Like you have to remember that courage is born in the environment of fear. That's where it comes from. If there's no fearful situation, there's no need for courage. You've never been sitting in a library reading a book thinking, I need to be courageous. <laughs> You're in a library. I, mean, I, I mean, I guess if something crazy broke out. But I mean, like the, generally speaking, you have to be in an environment of fear. You need to be surrounded by fear and uncertainty for you to even need this incredible thing called courage. And this is why you just need to embrace that, that, that fear will never go away. That's why fear not is the most repeated verse in the Bible. Why? Because there's a new one around every corner. You might as well just get used to reminding yourself, all right, don't let, don't let fear control me. Okay, don't get overwhelmed by fear. Why? Because it's always around you. There's always something to be afraid of. So the goal in life is not to completely rid yourself of all fear necessarily. It's to embrace the reality that I will always be around fearful things. It's just a reality of it. So therefore, courage needs to be my constant companion. And if you're the person that waits, this is the worst thing you can do. If you're the person that waits and says, you know what? I'm going to move. I'm going to act as soon as all the fear is gone. You're the person that will never do anything in life. So just embrace the reality that fear will always be there. Number two is this, is courage is either ignoring the fear and trusting God, or it's embracing the fear and trusting God. I'll prove it to you. There are certain people like Benaiah, who I believe he realized that the line is bigger, stronger, faster, but if you just ignore those realities and keep moving anyway, you're fine. Does that make sense? This is the way I think about things. Like a lot of times when I look at the pivotal points of my life where I needed courage, I simply, and this is just my recommendation, I would just say, okay, what's the Bible say? What is the wise counsel that God has put in my life? What do they say? As long as that's good, just keep moving forward. And I just wouldn't even think about the fear. And so then I get on the other side of my story and I'm like, wow, that was really courageous. But it really wasn't because I just ignored the fear. <laughs> I just did just don't even think about it. As long as you're good with the Bible and your wise counsel supporting your decision, just ignore it. Now, some people can do that. 
Like, again, when you, when you look at the Bible, Benaiah was clearly one of those guys that could do that. David was like that. Think about this. Remember the big story of David and Goliath? If you look at him, he's never talking about his fear. He's sitting there thinking, well, I killed a bear. I killed a lion. God's with me. I'm going to whoop your tail too. And he's just taking on hell with a water gun. And let's do this. It's not that he didn't have a sense of fear around him. I think he just ignored it. But not everybody's like that. And so if you're not like that, here's the other thing. If, if you're the opposite, you just need to embrace the fear. Just say, okay, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, but I, but, but I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep, well, I, I, Moses was like this. When Moses was told by God to go talk to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, remember the house story? Moses has an argument with God. Like his response is not like, all right, God, because you're with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I'm an overcomer. He didn't do that. He argued with God. God, you got the wrong guy. I'm not the man for the job. I stink at this. I'm awful at this. You need to ask somebody. He argues with God for two chapters, I believe it is. I mean, like, this is like Moses saying, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Let's work this out. Let's talk through this. But that he embraced the fear. Gideon was the same way. Gideon was this guy who basically was called by God. And God, God actually speaks over him and says these words. Gideon, you're a man of courage. And Gideon's like, you're tripping. And he lists seven reasons why God is wrong. It's in Judges 6 if you want to read it. He feels fear. Because Gideon was the guy that eventually has to gather the army of Israel to go fight against the Moabites who had invaded their land and enslaved their people. And this is what, this is what God does. It's so funny. God takes all of his fear and just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing him. And then when Gideon finally is like, all right, God, I think I can do it. I think I can trust it. I got about, about 10,000 guys and we're going to go fight. And God's like, okay, perfect. All right, now look, all those guys got to go home. You get 300. That's it. So for, before Leonidas and, and, and CrossFit dudes went and took on the Persian Empire, Gideon had 300, right? Okay. They stole that from Gideon. Uh, but that, that's what God does. God takes you in all your fears and is like, I don't care. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep. And so that's what God wants you to do is embrace the fear. Just, just feel the fear and do it. Because here's what I know. All you need in life, because in essence, there's a struggle going on inside of you between the fear and the courage, the fear and the faith. And here's all you really need. You need about one ounce more of courage than you have of fear to tip, tip the scales. That's it. You don't have to be David. Be Gideon. Be Moses. Be completely afraid. But God, if you'll just give me one more ounce of courage than I have of fear, that'll tip the scales. And then I can do it. But that's the wrestling match that's going on the inside of you. And lastly is this, is courage marks you for greatness. Again, not perfection. The Bible is full of flawed people. And it's not that they were perfect. It was that they had these moments where they either ignored every bit of the fear that they were facing. Or they just embraced it. And with all of their fear and intimidation just kept walking. And I'm telling you is, is that if you look at the greatest moments of your life, if you go back and do this, if you go look at the greatest moments of your life, the moments that you are the most proud of, they're surrounded by fear. As a matter of fact, if you were to ever talk to somebody near the end of their life that had a great story, if you were to sit down and ask them, hey, what were the times in your life where you were most afraid? And then you ask them the same question, maybe like this, what were the times that were the greatest moments of your life? They would eventually tell you that they are the same events. Because it's overcoming the odds, overcoming these incredible fears that turn into the greatest stories. This, not intelligence. There's tons of smart people out there. We don't know their names because they took all that intelligence and sat on it. Because remember, it's not the person that sees opportunity in life. It's the person that seizes the opportunity. 
It's, it's, it's not the person who, who, who literally just is the best looking or most intelligent or most gifted. Like who was the one that was called to lead the army of Israel? I don't know. He could have asked five dudes and them all said no. And then he got to Gideon and he took fearful little Gideon and just kept pushing him. We, we don't know, but it marks you for greatness. Not your intelligence, not your giftedness, not your, none of those things. Just one moment of courage. That's what does it in your life. And so there's some areas of your life where you're going to need courage. Let's, let's talk about these real quick. And I, I look back at like life. And, and when you think about like the defining moments of your childhood, they're surrounded by fear. Like the moment you stood up to the bully, the moment that you jumped off the high dive for the very first time, the, the moment where you took on the double black diamond and you were a beginner and deserved to be on the bunny slopes. Those are the moments when, you know, I remember doing my first sermon and I was so afraid and so scared. I was so hot. Like, I was just sweating. And I'm not a sweaty person. In my first sermon, I was so scared. I had five pages of notes. I was done in 12 minutes. <laughs> and I was hot. But I did it. You know what I mean? Like, the, but like those, are the, those are the pivotal moments. It's where you feel the fear and just choose to keep trusting God Anyway, and so all these, like, like, the, when you, like when you mustered up the courage to ask her out, you remember, you remember that? You're like, all these moments, they're the defining moments, but see, now you're a grown-up. You're an adult, and the fears are a little bit different, and the stakes are a little bit higher, but here's seven areas where you're going to need courage. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, the courage to stay when it would be easier to go. There's many times in life where... where Man, there's times I, I talk to people all the time in their marriage. They're like, man, it's hard, and things are this, and she's that, and he's doing this, and I can't believe it. And there's going to require, like, this courage. Stay. Any type of commitment worthwhile is like that. Any type of great commitment that you make, you're going to be challenged to bail on that commitment. And you're going to have to have the courage to stay when it would be easier to throw in the towel and to quit and to go. Anytime you're faced with, the, with just doing the right thing, it's, Number two is this, is it's actually the opposite. You need the wisdom to know the difference. It's the courage to leave when it would be easier to stay. Like I know people that are in that toxic friendship, that bad dating relationship, and you're so afraid that if you walked away, what would happen? And what if I'm all alone? And what if this? And what if that? Or you're in that unethical job, and you know things aren't right, but I don't know because there's no other job sitting there waiting for me, but how do I do the right thing and leave this, this shady situation that I'm in? And you're just, you're challenged. And I'm telling you what, this is where your integrity because it's easy to walk out and say, I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to be pure, and I'm going to be this. And then all of a sudden, when the fear hits, if you don't have courage... You've got nothing. Your integrity won't stand underneath the heat and the pressure and the weight of it all. Here's number one. Number three, um, the courage to ask for help when it would be easier to pretend that everything is okay. There's a lot of people out there full of pride. I used to think that it was mostly men. I've talked to a lot of women over the last several years. And I'm like, man, women, I thought, I thought it was like a man thing. There's a bunch of women just full of pride unable to say, uh, you know, that they're sorry, unable to admit that they were wrong, or unable to ask for help when they knew they needed help. I thought just dudes were dumb like that. Apparently, we all are. Apparently, we all get stuck in our own fears and our own pride and are just unwilling to ask. Because here, here's the deal. Sometimes you're battling things that are too big for you, and that's okay. That's why David had mighty men. 
Because even though David was courageous, he knew that, you know what? There are, listen, there are certain addictions you're not going to get over on your own. There are certain things in your marriage you can't fix them on your own. And if you could have, you already would have and you can't. And you're going to need to ask for help. You're going to need other people around you praying for you, supporting you, and counseling for you. And you're going to have to abandon the pride. Muster up the courage and ask for help. Number four is this. is Sometimes you just need the courage to say no. Some people have the inability to say no. They hate the thought of telling people no or disappointing no or them being mad. Or if I tell my kids no, they won't love me anymore. No, you're tripping. You need to tell your kids no. You probably need to. Anyway. <laughs> Sometimes it's saying no to a sin. It's saying no to a person. It's saying no to an opportunity. You, you have to figure out what that is and ask for God to give you the wisdom. Number five is this. You need the courage to face reality. Like sometimes fears are, are, are made up. Sometimes the things that we're so afraid of, they're phantom fears. They're not even real. We just make them up so we can stress and worry ourselves out. Hey, some stuff is real. Like when you get that unexpected job loss, you better have the courage to face reality and figure out what are my next steps. When you, when you get that weird report from the doctor when he tells you you've got stuff that you can't pronounce and you've never heard of before and you're like, one in a million happened. Well, thanks, doctor. What am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? And you're going to have to have the courage just to face the actual fear that's staring at you. Number six is this. is Some of you need the courage to take like a spiritual step. Some of you are hanging at, at the bottom levels of Christianity. You like, you know you want God in your life and you know what you want God to bless you, but that's about as far as you go. You know you want God in your life, but I don't know that I want God in these parts of my life, so I still do my own thing over here. And I'm telling you, you need the courage to take a spiritual step and say, how can I trust God? What, what's, uh, we talked about this last week, even like the self-discipline to, to take on a spiritual discipline. Like, I don't ever read my Bible. It's just something that the pastor preaches from on Sunday. Or I never, I never worship God on my own. And you need the courage to take a spiritual step and not be so afraid of, oh, but what if I turn into a weird person? Or what if this happens? Or what if God sends me here? I don't know what's going to happen to my life. Who cares? Your life in God's hands will be more fun and more fulfilling and more satisfying than anything you're currently doing right now apart from him. And you need the courage to take a spiritual step. Lastly is this. Sometimes we just need the courage to change. Some of us are so stuck in our ways and stuck in the way. Well, this is the way I've always been. This is the way I've always done. I don't care if you're 8 or 80. You can change. Through the grace of God, you can change. Like things can be different. And you're, you're so afraid sometimes to let go of the past or to let go of who you think you are or what they've always said about you or what they labeled you as. And you need the courage to say, you know what? I can be somebody completely different in Christ Jesus. You got to take a spiritual step. You're going to have to say no to somebody. You're going to have to do something different. And you'll have to face a fear to do it. Last couple of closing thoughts on fear is this. When you look at really, really courageous people, let's talk about like, how, okay, how do I become courageous? One of the things that courageous people do is they embrace a fear, but it's not the fears that other people embrace. Other people, normal people, common people, people who live in their shell and live in their cave and never experience God's best, they live with fear. Courageous people live with a different kind of fear, and it's really the fear of missed opportunity. They're more afraid of missing out on what God might have in store for them than all the other fears. Does that make sense? Let me put it like this. Um, courage isn't the absence of fear. It is the awareness that something else is more important. Like, yeah, you're going to have fears, but what's hanging in the balance there? What's going on around you that you say, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm more afraid of missing out on what could be and what should be and what God wants to do in my life. 
And I'll let that fear drive me, the fear of missing out on God's best, but I'm not going to let anything else drive my life. Um, One of the defining moments of my childhood was like this. I just realized when I was a kid, I was about 12 years old. I remember I was in eighth grade. Is that, is that 12? Is that, I don't know. I homeschool my kids. So I don't even know how old they are or what grade they're in. But we're in school. You, you, know, you remember all this stuff. And so when I, when I was in eighth grade, I was a part, funny enough, of the, of the choir. Isn't <laughs> that funny? Some of you, that's not funny because you don't know me, but my wife is laughing because she has to hear me sing some. I cannot sing. I've never been able to sing. And I don't know why they put me in choir. I don't even know how I got there, but I was in the choir. And one of the things that you did when you were in the choir is at the end of the year, you took a big trip to Carowinds. Now, Carowinds was like South Carolina's version of Six Flags. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking so far? And so we took this big trip. And, and like, when you're in eighth grade, you're right there into that like, okay, man, I'm starting to dig girls kind of thing. And, and, and I'm like digging this girl. And she's a cute little girl named Margie Dutton. And... And Margie, if you're out there listening, what's up, yo? Uh, <laughs> you missed out, you know what I'm saying? Your loss. Uh, but she was the cutest, she was the cutest little girl. And uh, I was a little boy, it's all the same. Um, and you know, when you're trying to like be cool and be smooth and like start talking to a girl for the first time and like, you know, you're trying to get your Mac on a little bit and... I'm, I'm trying to be cool, so I got my boys, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, we're, we're at Carowinds, and it's near the end of the day, and all of a sudden, me and my boys run into her and her girls. And we're like, hey, what's up? Uh, what's up with you? You know, you do the awkward, what's up, what's up, you know, thing. And, and then, th- but there was a brand new roller coaster, and I remember all the details of this because it was one of the pivotal moments of my childhood. It was called the Vortex. It probably doesn't exist anymore. It was probably shut down because, you know, roller coasters should be shut down eventually. And that was a long time ago. And so it was called the Vortex. And it was this brand new roller coaster. It was Charlotte, North Carolina, Carowinds. And it does loops and dupes and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was the, like the coolest, newest roller coaster in the southeast. And man, and I want you to know, like on the real, I was completely afraid of roller coasters. Because in my mind, I don't know if you ever did. I did this on the swings, y'all. And when I was on the swings and y'all spinning around, I was always thinking, dear God, don't let these chains come loose. Because I'd always picture where I would land... When the chains came loose, can I get an amen out there? Yeah, okay, good. So I'm not the only one. I was with Steve yesterday. We were driving. Uh, we were driving to go meet some friends, and we were driving up over a bridge. And I was like, "Hey, dude, I, I got a question for you. Like, because I just want to know if I'm weird." But we're like, "Hey, I don't like being on these big, huge, tall bridges for very long because I always think, man, I hope earthquake don't come right now." <laughs> he goes, "No, me too." So. And he goes, and, he, and I'm not ever in like bad traffic usually. Uh, and he's like, the worst is, is when you're in like commuter traffic and you're sitting on that dumb bridge for half an hour. You're like, man, I'm just increasing my odds of dying. And so, <laughs> anyway, I, I digress. So in, in my mind, roller coasters are dumb. They are illogical. There's no good sense why I would put my life in harm's danger as a 12-year-old. I have a bright future ahead of me. And so I just thought, I don't do, I don't do roller coasters. But then Margie rolled up. And, and she was with her girls. She's a cute little pony. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up with you? And, and they're like, hey, we're going to go over on the Vortex. Do you guys want to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. I love that thing. Let's do it. <laughs> and, the, and, the re, and the reason why this is so important is I, I, I just, again, for me, in, in my, the way my brain works is I would feel all the fear. 
and then choose to ignore it. And this is probably what's so great about men and their ability to compartmentalize things in their mind is because we'll put that fear in a box and just put it over there for a minute and be like, I just won't think about it. I just won't think about it. And we just, and so, but if you're, or you're the other person that says, I just need to feel the fear and be completely intimidated and just keep taking little baby steps. But whatever it is, my point is, is that I want you to be more afraid of missing a great, because you know what? I want you to know that was the key point in our relationship. We started going together just two weeks later. And we went together for like a whole month. And so, <laughs> your pastor is an OG. So, that's what you do when you're 12, right? You go together. Do y'all still do that? I don't know if that's still a thing. That's what we did. We go together. Because where are you going to go? Your mom going to drop you off somewhere. That's where you're going to go. <laughs> and if you're smart, you have mom get you there early so that she don't have to see you get dropped off by your mom. You just get to watch her get dropped off by her mom. And that's how you do. Or if you're really lucky, you have like the older brother that drives and that's like the coolest thing in the world. Now, I didn't have that. So my, my point is, is that people who do these courageous things in their life, they feel the fear and they just do it anyway. They embrace the fear and just keep walking. They ignore the fear and just keep trusting God because they know that there is an opportunity out there. That there could be an opportunity to make a kingdom difference, to, to achieve something great, to do something special, to do something worthwhile to do something that becomes a great story in your life. Because, because I'm telling you, the greatest moments of fear and the greatest moments of your life, they coincide. Unless we shrink, unless we fall back. And so I want you to feel the fear and just do it anyway and know that God's got something great for me. And even if it all falls apart, God will catch me and it'll still be a great story someday. Number two is this, is last, last kind of closing thought. Courage is contagious when you hang out with courageous people. There's something about it when you get around people who are just full of guts and confidence and they ignore the fear and they do these great things. And when you're with them, they make you believe, you know what, I can do that too. As a matter of fact, when you look at the disciples, I think about this when I think about the, the future of the disciples. They're hanging out with Jesus and when Jesus gets arrested, they all, one of them betrayed, right? One of them, Peter, denied Jesus three times. You had the other nine other ones just run for their lives. Only one of them was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified, which means that they all felt fear and intimidation. Everybody say, but. When you look at their future, except for the one that was at the foot of the cross, that was John, all the other ones died a martyr's death at the hands of someone else because they refused to deny Jesus. See, there's just something about you. You start getting, because Jesus was courageous. I need you to know this. Like Jesus had all the opportunity in the world to walk away from the cross. The Bible says he could have called on angels and just stepped down and be like, psh, psh, psh. you know, he could have done whatever he wanted to, to walk away from the cross, to walk away from the pain, the agony, the spiritual agony that we don't even know how to comprehend and think about. And he could have walked away from it all. And he did the most courageous thing ever. And he took your place and he took my place and he did the bold thing. He did the thing that took guts. I guarantee you in that moment, Jesus felt fear. I'll prove it to you. In the garden when he prayed, he was like, mm, this don't look good. God, there's a cup of pain that I'm about to drink. Now, if there's any other way around this, feel free to take away the cup. But if this is your will, then let's do it. And all the disciples, after seeing Jesus rise from the dead, totally their lives were completely transformed. They went from being scaredy cats to lion chasers. And every one of them said, I'll go to the death 
no matter what it takes. There's this incredible story uh, by a, name, uh, a man named Polycarp. Everybody say Polycarp. Um, Polycarp is, is one of the founding church fathers. He was actually what was considered at the time the last disciple to hang out with the 12 apostles. He was uh, basically the bishop of the church of Smyrna, which is in modern-day Turkey. And so he's this big church forefather again. Like, he was the biggest deal because he was the only guy that could say, hey, I was John's disciple. You know what I mean? Like, that was such a huge deal for them. And, and, and during that time period, there was this incredible Roman persecution that came against the church. And basically, they wanted to extinguish the whole Jesus movement. And they, wanted to, they did all kinds of nasty and butchered and killed and maimed and hurt and tortured in prison. They were awful to the Jesus followers. And so Polycarp was eventually arrested. And what, when he was arrested, what they basically did was they kept saying, hey, look, you can live. You, he was in his 80s when they arrested him. So he's an old guy that, that you know, and they're like, hey, look, you're an old guy. Respect your age. Just deny Jesus. Sacrifice to the Roman God. And we'll just wipe this thing away. Polycarp says this. He goes, 86 years I have served him, Jesus. And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and savior. That's what he said in the face of certain painful death. And they even doubled down on him, like trying to get out of this. And this is what the, the, the pro council said this. This is, this is the written report. I have wild animals here, and I will throw you to them if you do not repent. Polycarp responded, call them. It is unthinkable for me to repent from what is good, to turn to what is evil. I love this line. I will be glad, though, to be changed from evil to righteous. That's guts. That's courage. That's boldness. And then there's this incredible story that when they took him, they actually decided they were going to burn him at the stake as a sign to everybody to, to, to not you know, keep the, the, the way of Jesus and to, to, to sacrifice to the Roman gods. And they tried to burn him at the stake, and they tried, and the fire kept going out, and they couldn't figure out why the fire was going out, and so they eventually just stabbed him to death. And he was sitting there saying, just bring it. Animals, call them. I will not deny Jesus. But I'm telling you what, this is what all the disciples did. So Polycarp had seen all the disciples go through these incredible martyred deaths. Listen to this, closing words, I'll read it like this. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John. Well, they realized they were unschooled, just ordinary, regular folk. But they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I'm telling you what, you get courage when you get around courageous people, and there's no more courageous person than when you look at what Jesus did in the face of death and sin and pain and agony and the suffering of the cross. And when you walk with Jesus, I'm telling you what, that walk with Jesus, that walking in faith is unlearning all of those irrational fears and stepping into all that God would have for you. And even being a little afraid, not of all the rational fears, but being afraid of missing out on God's best. Courage is the virtue that all other virtues hang on. We need it in our lives. Let's pray this morning. God, we ask you for incredible boldness and courage. God, we ask you that God, no matter how much pressure and how much weight, how much fear, how much anxiety we might face, God, but Lord, when we are put in those pivotal life-changing moments, God, that in those moments, we would have 20, 30 seconds of crazy courage. God, that for, for just 30 seconds is maybe all we need. We will forget it. We'll ignore it. Some of us will just embrace it and keep walking anyway. God, give us that courage. The courage to say no. The courage 
to do what is right, the courage to maintain our purity, the courage, God, to leave when we need to stay, to stay when we need to leave, the wisdom to know the difference. God, help us. Help us to be like your apostles who looked at fear and decided just to embrace it and trust you anyway. God, help us live with that type of boldness because we have been in your presence, Lord. That is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.